Welcome to episode 22 of Running Matters. I'm joined today with Tom Dennis. Thanks for giving up your time and chatting with me today, Tom. That's no problem. So they say you're not meant to uh, meet your idols, but here we are. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, uh, but I've actually met you before on the road. That's true, yes. You ran with me from uh, somewhere between Robertson and Mossvale all the way down Macquarie Pass to uh, Albion Park. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's right. Um, so be, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Filter Brewing, Goo Energy, Guy Me Allied Health and SwimGuard Pool Fence Certification. Um, look, I'm going to get thirsty here. Uh, chatting, can I interest you in a beer? Uh, you certainly can. Okay, so I've got the uh, little Filter Esky. Did you, uh, did you have a preference here? Oh, why don't you surprise me? Okay. <laughs> what do you reckon? I'm thinking, I'm thinking the, the lager would be okay. a good start. Yep. Would you like a uh, stubby holder to Cheers. keep it cool? No, no, it won't last that long. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's see what it's like. Yep, that's a nice beer. Tastes like beer. Mm. Um, so I have to say that you've got one of the most accomplished res- resumes of anyone I've interviewed, and I'll make a start. So you're an athlete, inventor, scientist, professional musician, entrepreneur, and author. A doctor of mathematics and oceanography, uh, you invented a technology to convert energy in ocean waves into electricity. So that's uh, that's very impressive. There's a lot going on besides just your running. Oh well, yeah, you've got to keep uh, yourself occupied, I guess. You do. Um, so I'll read out some of your career highlights. In 2005, you're uh, a member of the Global Roundtable on Climate Change. 2006, the wave energy technology you invented was named by the US International Academy of Science as one of the 10 most outstanding technologies in the world. In 2007, uh, you're the first person to be inducted into the International Ocean Energy Hall of Fame. In 2014, you're the finalist in the Australian of the Year Awards. In 2014, officially awarded the world record for the fastest circumnavigation of the Earth on foot by the sports governing body, the World Runners Association. So, that's an incredible list. What are you most proud of? Oh, geez. Well, everything really. Um, I guess uh, the world record for, for running is something I never thought I'd have. Um, or a world record of any form, but uh, um, so I guess that's right up there. But um, I haven't finished with the other things yet, or at least the um, the wave energy technology that's um, uh, still ongoing, and I'm expecting it to really take off. Uh, where we've um, started to develop a project on King Island, and uh, that should be operational next year. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's stay tuned. It's quite a diverse list and, and background. Is there something else left to fill that, that you, you, you'd like to achieve? Is, is there something that you haven't... Is there a stone unturned for you? Um, in uh, any field, do you mean? Or yeah, um, yeah. Is there something that, you know, that, that's not, that we haven't mentioned, that you, something you want to achieve? It doesn't have to be running-related. Well, nothing particularly outside of any of those um, sort of areas you've covered already. Um, I wouldn't... To be honest, I wouldn't mind running around the world again. Yep. Um, that, D- doing yeah. it again. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, when, when I finished, you know, I was ready for a bit of a rest, of course, but um, uh, I, I miss it now, you know, I miss that um, feeling of getting up each morning and, and heading off into a part of the world I've never seen before. Every, every day that was the case, you know. Well, yeah, almost, I mean, when I got close to home, obviously, I'd seen, seen the surroundings um, a bit, but not necessarily having run through them. Uh, but for m- the most part, every day was was about seeing part of the world I'd never seen before, and and mostly I, I won't ever see again, I guess. But um, uh, it's it's just a great feeling of freedom. So it's been um, six years since you since you've done it, and, and when I saw you, it was sort of averaging fifty k's a day. And yeah. I think when I saw you, we had we had that run that that day, one of your last legs. Um, you hadn't had a, a rest day in something like 12 weeks and you're, you're averaging, um, yeah, 50 k's a day. Could You know, you mentioned doing it again. What, what would your body, would your body stand up to that again, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, it uh, It's not so much the physical. Your body gets used to it pretty, pretty quickly within a week or so uh, of running 50 k's a day. Um, you find that you you adapt. Um, it's I guess the, the more difficult thing about doing something like that is the psychological aspect. You know, just getting up and being mentally up for for another fifty or more k's. Um, you know, it uh, there some days are hard. I mean, if it's wet, the weather's really bad. If it's pouring with rain and blowing a gale and and um, cold, um, you know, you just don't feel like getting out there yeah. but you just have to and uh, um, if you can overcome that it's not so bad so um, you know I just used to look at the positives and think well it's just a, another 50 k's under the belt and um, one one day closer to uh, the finish to the finish yeah mm. so let's talk about the early days at 17, 17 years of age you ran 100 metres in 10.9 seconds and in 2008 30 years later, at the age of 47, you ran 100 kilometres in 9 hours and 26 minutes. So it's claimed that you're the only person to have ever run both 100 metres in less than 11 seconds and 100 kilometres in less than 11 hours. It's pretty it, impressive. It, well, I, I mean, I didn't realise that until someone brought it up one time, and um, I don't know that there's any way to prove it, to be honest, but uh, um, yeah, I, I guess there wouldn't be too many people if there is anyone else. So, um, yeah, I've always uh, enjoyed both long distance and, uh, you know, obviously when I was younger I, uh, I was a sprinter, so, uh, um, you know, there's always a bit of a rush uh, in short distances as well. But uh, as I got older, the short distances, there's just not... Um, you know, unless you're the best, the very best, uh, there's not much out there really to to um, accomplish or to uh, keep you occupied yeah. with uh, sprinting. So, you ha- did you get some state? Did you go to state level? I yeah, I um, uh, was part. Our school had, was pretty lucky. We had um, four or five fast people, uh, four fast guys, all in the same year. So, um, have four state. Um, relay titles um, three of them were state records yep. so uh, um, that was always good it's good, good being part of a team to you know, when you win a gold medal um, and some of those state records lasted for quite a while um, that, that was always great you know. Um, but 
these days, you know, sprinting is just way beyond me now. <laughs> That's right. It's a thing of the past. Yeah. More recently, uh, in 2015, you um, you did the Ultrafest 12-hour race in Fort Lauderdale. Yep. And placed third overall. Uh. No, I won that one. Actually. You won that one. You yeah. won the 2015 Ultrafest 12 hour. Yep. yep. Sorry, I've got that. And placed third overall in the 250 kilometer uh, six day Great Red Race in the Australian Simpson Devs at yep, 2017. In the, in the Simpsons Desert. Yeah. That and that I think I would have to say is my favourite race yep. of my whole life. Um, that really was um, just a, a really special experience. It's the only time I've ever run a multi day race. And I think that's what does it, you know. With, with a single day race, you know, it's you get there, you you run the race, it's over. And, yeah. Um, but there's something about um, the camaraderie with the other competitors when you're camping out, um, particularly in a, a place as unique as the, the middle of the Simpson Desert, under, you know, in the shadow of the uh, of what's called Big Red, which is the largest sand dune yeah. in the in the Simpson, um, and just um, you know, hanging out with the the other competitors each evening, you know. You, um, I was finished by around lunchtime every day. What sort um, of distances you doing each day? Basically, it was it was effectively four marathons. Um, And then a nice, easy eight-kilometer untimed uh, leg to finish off back to the Birdsville pub on the on the sixth day. So it was really five days, effectively five days of racing. But um, you know, when you're running uh, that last double marathon, you're starting out at six in the morning in the dark, having already raced the four marathons. And prior to that, one of the days was slightly less than a than a marathon, but. Um, you're tired, you know. You, yeah. You're you are already pretty well exhausted, but you've got to then go out and race a double marathon. So, um, you know, I, the furthest I'd ever raced is 100 k's in a day, and that was having tapered and rested up for it, you know. Yeah. And feeling really fresh, but when you when you're going into a distance almost as far over really difficult um, terrain, to uh, up and over. Um, very little, like loose sand dunes, so that you're, you're slipping and deep, your feet are um, getting buried in, across Gibber Plain, um, spikes um, going through your shoes into your feet, and uh, um, yeah, just a really, really tough race, but that's what makes it enjoyable. Unfortunately, the race doesn't exist anymore. They ran it last year, but um, that it wouldn't be held anymore because uh, it's just too costly for the um, the organisers to. They, they need a certain number of competitors, and and uh, the numbers were slowly going down because it's um, it's a sort of race where you, people don't go back necessarily every year for it because um, it's uh, it takes a lot of commitment. You know, you've got to take a, at least a week out of your life to to do the race, and you've got to get there, get back. It's costly, so. Um, Numbers were dwindling, and they couldn't keep it going financially. You know, it wasn't financially viable. So, if it was still going at some stage, absolutely, I'd go back. Yeah. You grew up in Wollongong. Um, we we've talked about your early sprinting days. What about your rugby league? How'd you tell us about that? Oh, um, well, I played uh, for Warilla, which is um, 
in the Group 7 South Coast League. Um, played for f- uh, between... I was, uh, my first great career was between 78. I only played one match that year when I was 17, through to 82. Um, made the New South Wales countryside. Um, really enjoyed it. It was the top try scorer for 1980-81, um, I think. Um, what position were you playing? Oh, centre wing. Yep. You know, just, um, I guess we're, we're the fast guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, I, I, I assume that yeah, I was generally considered the fastest guy on the team, so they uh, put me out there. But I, I like to get in the middle a bit as well. Yeah. I, I used to come wandering and, you know, running off the forwards, you know, who'd make a break through the, um, the middle and, you know, I'd pop up there ready to take a pass. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but um, by 1983 I, I trialled for um, South Sydney and uh, was uh, I played a, a trial at Redfern Oval and it was... Um, against Balmain and I only had a half a game and had and scored four tries in that half a game and I thought wow I'm, I'm definitely in they can't you know how could they not <laughs> yeah. not pick me you know scoring four tries in half a game and uh, and I got a call the next day from uh, Terry Parker who was the head of South at the time and he said oh, we, we want you to play so that you qualify as a local junior because unfortunately for me and the others that year um, it was the first year of what was called the two-in-one now what that means is the league trial that they got rid of it pretty quickly only you could only take two people each year local juniors unfortunately they'd already bought Rick Burke from Cronulla and um, some another same day that I got that phone call I, I made a decision that I'm, I'm going to give up football and I'm going to run my first marathon so I went out and did a long training run that same day and ever since I've been logging my mileage yeah right mm. what's your um what's your best marathon time 249 wow uh, back yep. in 87 yeah which which race was that um I think it was called the Australian Marathon back then yep. uh, started at um well, sometimes they started them in North Sydney, but on this occasion they started at uh, um, Cremorne, um, down that way anyway. We ran, ran along Military Road to start with, across the bridge, and then uh, through the eastern suburbs, finished up at um, uh, Sydney Athletic Field. Cool. Mm. You had a pretty sharp time. Uh, I was happy with it, yeah. I would have liked to have um, uh, knocked a few more minutes off that over... Over time, but I never really got around seriously to to trying to race another marathon for a while. I'm not sure why, really, but uh, sort of. I guess I felt that that was good enough in a way, and uh, and I wanted to try and luck at a few other distances. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about run in December 2011. At the age of 50, you embarked upon a run around the world. The run was expected to take over 18 months and cover 26,000 kilometres started and finished at the Opera House. Uh, you 
solid guidelines for running around the world. The guidelines are the basis for the official world record for the fastest circumnavigation of the Earth on foot, as administered by the World Runners Association. So you're headed predominantly easterly direction around the world until you arrived back in Sydney, um, and you ran on five of the seven continents. You crossed the Rockies, the Andes, as well as deserts like the Nullarbor, um, and, and you, you discuss that journey in your book. Um, I'll, I'll mention that shortly. Uh, when you finished, it was the fastest ever circumnavigation of the Earth, um, and it was 40 days quicker than uh, Jesper Olsen's earlier effort. So it's an amazing achievement. So how many people have done this run now around the world, and, and are you still the, the world record holder? No, I'm not the world record holder um, anymore. I was for about a year and a half, I guess, or a year and a bit, bit more than a year and a half. Um, it's been... It was initially beaten by a single day, but then subsequently it's been beaten by quite a bit. It's, the record's now down to 434 days, um, held by um, a, guy, a French guy called Serge Girard, um, and uh, he, he actually came through Sydney, and uh, I, I ran a little bit with him when he was here. So we all know each other, we all get on. Now, not that we knew each other before, but it, it, it's sort of a... A common um, thing that now that um, you know, there's not not too many. I think there's six people who've um, who've officially qualified as having run around the world. Yeah. Um, there's a handful of uh, walkers though who've over the you know way back in the past in some cases who've never really documented. They they just went out and decided to walk and never came back. You know until they got around the world. <laughs> um, but officially as uh, as um, according to the rules of the World Runners Association, there are six six okay. members of the club, if you want to call it that, yep. at this stage, one of whom's a woman. Um, yeah, so, uh, what countries are they from? Um, uh, of France, uh, two from England, um, uh, Australia, obviously, myself, um, Ireland, and Denmark. Cool. So when did you first get the idea to, to do this? Um, late twenty, uh, what late oh nine, I think it was. Um, in two thousand and nine, I I decided. Well, let, let's backtrack slightly. Uh, until two thousand and eight, I'd never run more than a marathon distance of forty two k's in in any one day. Yeah. And I decided that I wanted to take on a bigger challenge, so I decided to run a hundred kilometres and. Uh, and did that at the, uh, um, uh, the Sylvania, or the, sorry, the Sutherland um, Relay track. for Life. Yeah, it's a Sylvania, yeah. yep. Yeah, it's yep. Sylvania. So 250 laps of the, <laughs> of yeah. the track. Um, that was my 9, 9.26. Um, I actually took uh, about 40 minutes out for lunch to sit down and have lunch with some friends. So it was about, a, I think it was 8, 8.45 of running. Yeah. Um, and... And that was good. I, I pulled up well after that. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I, I would. It wasn't as as painful as I thought it might be. Yeah. Um, so then I decided that the next year I wanted to take on a bigger challenge again. So I thought, well, I've done 100 k's. What about 1,000 k's? Uh, obviously, that's going to take multiple days. And uh, I decided to run from Melbourne to Sydney. And I went a particular... 
took a chose a particular route that that added um, added up to a thousand kilometres and finished at the same relay for life uh, in the afternoon that day uh, that particular day. So I had to work out how long it was going to take me and start in Melbourne. Uh, as it turned out, it was seventeen days, and uh, really loved that. I really enjoyed that multiple day running, and being in a different place, stopping and. You know, little country pubs, staying yeah. overnight, having a couple of beers with the locals, and then like getting it. up in the morning and going. I like on. the idea of that too. Yeah. Did Carmel support you for that trip? She did for um, most of it, but she had to get back to work um, for a while too. So she, you know, she was away for about five of those seventeen days. Some of it was through school holidays, so she was able to have that time off. Um, so yeah, at the end of that, I thought, wow got to do more of this so I thought what's next maybe run across Australia and then I thought well, if I run across Australia I'm going to then want to do something beyond that again which would next is, is the world so I thought I might as well just go straight to the world <laughs> yeah, straight to the top yeah, and that'll in, you know entail a run across Australia anyway so um, so that's that was the decision I made at the end of the, the Melbourne Sydney run was in 2009 at the end by the end of that year I'd settled on running around the world and then I had to decide on a, a time frame I thought I'd better not go too early because you know there's a lot of a lot of logistics to get organized yeah so I gave myself you know the start of 2012 and basically I I had a little prologue the, the very first day was a little prologue from the Opera House to Bondi Beach on New Year's Eve of 2011 yeah and New Year's early New Year's Day 2012 I hopped on a plane to uh, Queenstown in New Zealand and and by the afternoon was uh, running through New Zealand. Yeah, right. So officially, you, you sort of look at it as the start of 2012. Yeah, well, I mean, to be completely official, it's 20 years day, 2011. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, effectively, the very beginning of 2012. Yeah, gotcha. And so was it hard convincing your wife, Carmel, to get on board for your no, world trip? No, it wasn't. She, uh, I said to her, would you, would you like to come along? You'll get to travel around the world for um, you know maybe up as much as two years and uh, she was able to take two years um, leave without pay and still keep her job when she came back so it worked out pretty well from that perspective and she now she was she went yeah I mean it's like a so this is a, a dream world ho- world so, holiday so, so this is a dream for myself and a lot of the listeners would love to do this so mm. how did you sweet talk her? like what was the oh no she i didn't have to she yeah, she, she liked the it. she liked yeah. the idea of the adventure cuz you can't yeah. do it on your own you need someone to support uh, you don't yeah i mean some of the some of the guys have um, but the the current world record holder he he had a quite a big support crew well, relative to anyone else um uh, and I think that's the way it's getting. I mean, to to beat his world record now um, is really going to. It means almost no days off. It means you can't get to another continent and spend a few days getting things together. You know, phones, you know, phone um, SIM cards and support vehicles and stuff like that. You've got to or virtually send someone ahead yeah, right. to have it all organised for you, so that you're ready to go. So you almost hit the ground running. Takes the fun out of it. A bit, it does a bit, but if I think as long as you've you've got the resources to cover that, it's probably still going to be you know, and you don't have to do the, some of these things yourself. Yeah. Because um, it creates stress if you if you're worried about oh, geez, I'm mm. getting behind the, on the clock now. Getting um, to that while time. I'm trying. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's going to require more and more of a support group. I don't. I I cannot see how anyone can do it unsupported now and, and break the world record for the fastest. Yeah. Um, yeah there's um, a couple of guys. No one's done it completely unsupported, but the record. The, sorry, the rules allow for. I think it's five percent supported in the sense of someone carrying your gear um, and maybe um, ferrying you back um, from your end point to maybe a hotel or whatever and then back again because you've got to start and finish at exactly the same point yeah. that you've um, ended the day before. Um, so there's there's things like that, but you can you can um, you can do five percent. I think it's five anyway. Um, supported, but it, uh, if you're unsupported, you I mean because there is an unsupported record as well. Right. Okay. Um, but it doesn't sort of. I mean. It's the, the fastest, you know, is always going to be the, the supported yeah. now, and and that's the one that sort of holds the most sort of mystique or, or um, you know, the the one that people aim for. Yeah, yeah, mm. no, that makes sense. Yeah, this uh, this might be a good opportunity to um, got a listener question for you. Uh, so this is from our listener Todd Brannock, and uh, so Todd sent this message through on Friday. He's from Como. And he wants to know how you and Carmel could afford to travel for two years without working. Well, it was um, basically life savings, but um, I did have a sponsor as well that covered about a quarter of the um, of the costs. Yep. Um, but the rest was yeah, life savings. So um, you know, it's one could say, well, you you know, you should have spent it on you know putting a deposit on an investment property or something like that. But that's I thought, you know. Anyone can do that. It's, yeah. uh, I, I thought at the end of our lives we'd be um, look back and be much happier to say you know that we've done what we've done. Yeah, so, that's right. Mm. And so, how much did did you budget for, and, and did you sort of did it fall into your budget at the end? Yeah, uh, actually, when um, when we got back, I actually had some money left over, so um, you know, it didn't didn't cost as much as I expected. Yep. Do you mm. mind me asking what 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 you'd be up for if? I th- well, it depends once again on how much you, you're supported. If you, if I mean, I can imagine in the um, in the future someone might take along a, um, a physio and you know have all uh, like this whole. Um, no, no, just just assume that we were doing it something similar like you did it. Yeah. What, what would we? What you're would you have to budget for? Probably not going to get away f- with less than around a hundred grand. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And so, is that excluding you? You mentioned your sponsor. You had a sponsor pay for about a quarter of that. Is yep. that excluding the quarter? No, that's... no. That uh, sorry. Yes, that's a, a, excluding that. Okay. Yeah. So maybe one hundred and twenty-five. So, uh, yeah. These days, well, particularly now, to the the US dollar is when when I did it, the Australian dollar was a um, dollar uh, ten US and. I think it averaged 107 or something like that, whereas now it's down at 70 cents. So, you know, it, it's going to be more costly now, I mm. think. Um, likewise, likewise with the euro, I think it was at 80 euro cents. Now it's down at low 60s. So it would be more expensive now. Yeah, mm. gotcha. yeah you're probably You're probably not going to get away with under 150. and Maybe even 200 might be more realistic if you don't want to, you know, be, be um, skimping and, and sleeping you know, under under bits of corrugated iron and so on. Yeah, right. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's 
it's it's how it is. You know, you yeah. got to be realistic. Well, know? if you think about it, it's a you know basically a, a year and a half um, holiday around the world. You, it's um, it's going to be it's going to be costly. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you got to hire cars and that, yeah, that, that would be a big expense. We were lucky. Um, I've got a good friend. Uh, he actually lives in New Zealand, and he's but he's and he's got a car that he keeps in Queenstown and he said look use that and as the support vehicle and drop it off to me in Auckland or Hamilton he lives in but we we took it all the way to Auckland Um, and he also has a car in the US that he keeps at his brother's in Denver and he had that driven to San Francisco where I started and um, we used that all the way across the US and he came over with his brother right at the finish for the last week or so, did some running with me, and then one, when I finished the US leg in Boston, he, um, he and his brother drove it back to, to Denver, and uh, we, we just said, here's the car, and we took off to, to Chile, to San Diego and Chile, to start the South American League. So, yeah. you know, without that, that, that would have been fairly costly to uh, use the support vehicle across the US, because I... Um, that was the biggest leg I took. I sort of meandered my way across the US. It actually was 12,000 Ks yep. and eight months. So, uh, you know, for a, to have a, a hire car for that long would have been, would have added a lot more expenses. Been a fortune, yeah. yeah. So knowing that you're going to do, you know, 50 Ks a day for, for you know, up to 18 months, how do you, how do you train something like that well you can't really it's see with with most running training you do over distance you know you you almost always run a bit further than your yeah. distance and then you do shorter um, speed work and so you you work around that distance with this sort of thing you, you can't go out and train for 50 k's a day i mean i did for 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 twice for four day stints um i you know, just went out, and actually one of them was a five days, so that was about two months before, but, you know, by the time that, that was more for, to give myself um, mental confidence than than for it to be a physical, you know, getting ready physically, because it was still going to be more than two months before I started, so um, uh, the what I did was I just ran as much as I could, so I, the, the year before, 2011, I averaged 20Ks a day. Uh, which is easily the most running I've done on an, on average um, in a year. So, so just consistency, would you say? Like, yeah. yeah, yep, just consistency. Just getting your body used to running every day. But also, you, you run yourself into that fitness. In fact, you start off um, slower and shorter and build up, and once you get to the level that you're at, as, as long as you haven't injured yourself getting there, you then you're fine and you then you're fit enough for it yeah yeah um, your body like you're saying your body adapts yeah yeah i it, it actually gets stronger not not weaker mm. i mean not to say that you're not a bit fatigued you know on chronically but um it's a it's not a bad fatigue you know it's um i i've slept probably the best i've ever slept in my life or certainly since i was a little kid um because you know each night um i could lie down and then you know I almost wouldn't wake up until it was time to wake up in the morning and then I'd feel refreshed and um, um, ready to go again so um, there's no waking periods during the night like 
there normally is these days. You know, if I wake up, I might stay awake for half an hour, an hour. But uh, um, back then, it was just you know <laughs> using up your energy stores. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, went when I went to sleep. It was a, a pleasure because you know I'd just wake up in the morning and, and go, well, night's over. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's always nice to do that. So, um, how how did you manage not to lose? too much weight like when when i saw you because you're um you know like people imagine uh an ultra runner is someone small and lean like a like a typical olympic marathon runner mm. but in fact you're you're quite a solid person a quite a solid build and and for our listeners if you can imagine paul hadfield one of our uh, co-hosts like that like a solid big big build like a footballer mm. except um you know you had he's got a jaw that's fifty percent bigger than yours. Um, so, uh, how'd you manage to, you know, not not sort of lose too much weight? I, I know you like a pie and coke. Well, yeah, that was more. Um, well, actually, I don't drink coke normally. I I only did it on the on the run world run because it was a good way to um, to get some sugar in um, and, and a relatively cheap way because uh, in parts of the world you can buy a coke for. You know, fifty cents or a mm. dollar, mm. Um, and uh, it was cheaper than buying water, or certainly cheaper than buying other things like sports drinks and so on. So that's why I was drinking it. Um, it was just sort of junk calories, but um, it's fine to have junk calories as long as you're also having the nutrients somewhere else in your the day. You, you need a lot of calories to to get through the day. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if, you, if you're doing 50Ks every day, how do you not wither away? Because you're just moving so much. Well, I don't know. I just I guess you just eat and drink uh, what you feel like, and it, it's that there's your balance. I mean, it yeah. just, if yeah. you're not getting enough, you'll feel hungry. and Yeah, and your uh, body, I suppose, needs less as it adapts as well. Yeah, I think so. As um, you get fitter, you don't need as I, much. I did get pretty skinny in the US, uh, through the mid-US, and... That was because um, the the food, the only food you could get was sort of um, burgers that have uh, they at night, you know, vir- vir- at the diners. That, that was basically the only mm. only food that we could find, and uh, um, and they do something to them. I don't know what they use in them, but um, they they used to make me queasy, and the breakfasts were at the motels were awful and yeah. I couldn't stomach those either yeah, right. and so I wasn't eating as much no. as I should have and so I got really quite skinny there but um, yeah. But other than that I think I, I just had you know, a, enough to eat yeah, um, right. and I, I did lose weight I, I probably was as light as I've been you know, since I was past I got down to about um, 70 or even the high 60s Kilos, which yep. is lighter That's than light. I've been since I passed through that weight as a kid yeah. growing up. So, um, uh, the, you know, I did lose weight, but not, not. I didn't become you, a skeleton. You didn't wither away. Yeah. How's that beer going? You another one? Uh, just about yep. finished. Yeah. Let's have a um, XBA. Okay. I, I really like this. Uh, That's the lager. This lager. Yeah. It's, it's, one, yeah. I think everything tastes good on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so prior to starting, you know, you've said, "All right, well, I, I haven't hadn't really done much. I'd done the the uh, 
the, the Melbourne to Sydney and then you thought, mm. well, I could run around Australia, but stuff it, I'm just going to do the, the world run and you started organising it, telling people you were going to do it. Did you have some sleepless nights going, holy shit, I've, I've told people I'm going to do it, now I've got to do it? I did, I, but it wasn't until just near to when I started and I, I started having doubts about, you know, what if, I, if I'm not able to, you know, what if I, I, I break down and not able to complete it or if I try to keep going it's just going to be painful you know every day is going to be agony because I did get some tendonitis on that Melbourne Sydney run and and that was only 17 days and I thought and I know how, how much it hurt the tendonitis um, can be really really painful. So did you have any injuries along the way and, and how did you overcome them you know you talked about being concerned and, and suffering and going through that that sort of um, isolation. Mm-hmm. How how did you um, overcome injuries? And you well, must have had some. Well, I, I only had two um, effectively. Um, one was uh, started to come on around about um, I don't know South Dakota or thereabouts, and uh, it was just a, a pain down here, sort of on the side of my ankle. Um, I, once again, a bit of a tendon, I guess, and uh, luckily, I it, it persisted for oh, a month or so. It was sort of getting worse, but then um, I was only on three-month visas in the US, and and I had intended to sort of to run into into Canada for a bit, and then also into Mexico, so that you know I, I was out of the country and then could come back in. But the very that very day that I effectively started, on 1st of January 2012, the US changed the law and to renew your visa you actually had to leave the continent altogether. So no um, Canada or Mexico, that didn't count, nor did the Caribbean islands. So I actually actually had to leave and go to another continent and I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just go back to Australia. So I was heading back for a week in Australia, get a few things sorted out too, some once again, some logistics, you know, um, stuff that needed to be done here. Um, so I had a week, well, actually by the time I got back and on the road, it was 10 days of, of very light running and that cured it. And all I needed was a bit of a bit of time off. Just a bit of a break? Yeah, a bit of a break. I mean, I still ran on those days, but it was only, you know, a couple of Ks. And yeah, it, it just went away. So that was fantastic. Um, funnily enough, I came back at Christmas too and... Uh, that was in between South America and Europe, and uh, for some reason, I, I came back uninjured and wasn't doing much. I, I wanted to, you know, take it pretty easy. And um, by the time I was ready to go back, I developed a, um, an injury, like a, an Achilles type. Well, it's not, it wasn't quite the Achilles; it was right down on the heel itself, and. Uh, I was really starting to get worried because I thought, if I've got this now, what's going to happen when I start running 50Ks a day again? And so I I was a bit down, to be honest, when we flew back, well, we flew over to Portugal and started the most westerly um, point in Europe. And it was a grey winter's day over there. And, uh, you know, my... I wasn't in the best frame of mind, to be honest, you know, because I I thought this is going to really be an issue... Um, hardly felt it on that first day. The second day didn't feel it at all. It just went away. Just went away. Yeah. Back to the routine. Yeah. So 
the I don't know how that happens, but to actually pick up a, an injury or at least um, you know a, a sore point um, that actually goes away by doing more running. I don't know how that works, but uh, I was really pleased when it did. Um, a little bit later in Europe, I started to um, to get a bit of um, uh, plantar fasciitis, and that was getting worse and worse. And I thought, well, why is this happening? You know, I, with stuff like that, injuries just don't happen for no reason. There's, there's some underlying cause. And I couldn't work out what it was that I was doing differently. I had the same type of shoes. Um, I was running you know, at the same pace, same distances, all that sort of thing. What it turned out to be was nothing to do with running at all. Um, it was the beds that I was sleeping in because in Germany and Eastern Europe, they tend to have beds that are uh, wooden, a wooden frame and the mattress is in, inset into the wooden frame so all the way around the bed is this hard wooden bit and I like to sleep on my stomach and hang my feet over the end of the bed and I couldn't do that because it was too hard you know the hard wood was sort of um, my foot was the instep was resting on it so I was effectively you know sleeping like almost with my toes pointed out and what that does is it it lengthens the tendons on the front of your foot, but shortens the ones at the back, the Achilles and the the, um, the, the tendon mm, underneath. Because they're flexing, yeah. 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 So each night when I was recovering, or well, my body was recovering, and the, the, the small micro tears that happen each day, they're fine as long as you your um, body's repairing them each night. Well, they were being repaired in a foreshortened position. So they were... But when I started running the next day, they weren't long enough. The the the, um, the new fibres weren't long enough, and they would break apart. And so it was getting more and more inflamed. And I didn't realise this. Obviously, that wasn't the first thought I had as to why I was getting this injury. But after about a month, I it occurred to me, and I thought, I wonder if that is it. So I sort of forced myself. I sort of engineered re-engineered the beds each night to make sure that I could um, hang my feet over the edge you know by putting pillows uh, at the base and all this sort of thing and um, the next day uh, it was way less it's probably only 50% what it was and I thought well this is a good sign um, the, the next day after that didn't feel it at all that's all it was I cured yeah. plantar fasciitis in two days just hanging by Hanging yeah. your feet at the end of the bed again. Yeah. Uh, right. Cured it in two days by conti- and continued to run 50Ks or more each day. So, I mean, I learned so much that I never would have suspected before yeah. this run. So when, you know, I mentioned earlier when I saw you that, um, you know, you'd been running for three months without a break and, and you mentioned to me that you used to have breaks maybe when you earlier on when you started mm. and it was harder for your body to get going. Yeah, um, it depends on how long the break was. Um, I found that um, my uh, quads would always get sore if I'd had a break of, say, maybe a week. Um, A couple of days is no problem. Um, You're still, uh, the muscles are still used to it. You know, they they haven't gone back into their old state. But um, 
I found that a, a week or more, it would take me about three or four days to get back. Uh, I, I'd feel sore in the quads, you know, it, uh, particularly if I had some downhill. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, in the end, I just found that the, the easiest way just to uh, ensure that I didn't suffer any issues was just to keep keep going every day. Yeah, that was um, the best. Yeah. Yes, how your body recovered best. Yeah, and across Australia, yeah, I, I hadn't, uh, I didn't have any days off across Australia. Yeah. Uh, I think it was ninety-seven days it took me to do five thousand k's. Wow, consecutive days. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm. Um, well, I mean, you know, it sounds it, but honestly, when you when you're doing it, it doesn't feel like it's anything special. Yeah. Just yeah. Just, door. You just yeah, you're just used to it. And, just going to work. Yeah, I had one half day. Um, across Australia in Streaky Bay, which is in South Australia, and uh, but that was because um, a couple of my friends from school. Every year since we left school, we get together for what we we call a, a pewter mug day because we all receive pewter mugs on our twenty first for our twenty first birthday. And uh, um, since then, actually, we've. Um, gotten together uh, we used to have the pewter mugs and drink beer out of the pewter mugs nowadays we just get go somewhere and have a bit of a pub crawl um, and they said well where are we going to do it this year and uh, I, um, I said well if you want to come out and meet me on the Nullarbor that's fine as it turned out I was ahead of schedule so um, for the date we picked and we went uh, we ended up at Streaky Bay and uh, and so they turned up and we I had a short 30k day and uh, and then headed back by lunchtime and uh, yeah we we had a, um, a well not exactly a pub crawl there's not that many pubs in <laughs> yeah. Streaky Bay but uh, yeah we just watched some football and Did you give yourself the day off the next day no no, no. got up and you know, I don't think the next day was about 55k's yeah wow mm. okay. it's funny but you you um you process your, your metabolism you know is is really, I mean, I describe it as supercharged when you're doing this sort of thing. So that enables you to um, process all sorts of things more quickly, including alcohol. You know, um, you can um, drink a heap of beer and wake up the next day as if nothing, as, you know, you hadn't had anything. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, your body mm. just, yeah, metabolises it, as you say. Mm. So you, you like a beer, you like a glass of red. Would you normally have, have a couple of drinks at the end of each day? Um, well, yeah, red wine mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I usually had one beer followed by maybe two glasses of red wine. Yeah. Pretty much every day. There was a couple of days where I was just, uh, you know, it was, I was just too tired and I, I'd just, um, you know, eat and go to sleep. But n- not very often that, maybe two or three days of the, the entire run. Yeah. Um, so I, I just found that, and, and Carmel uh, did too, that it was a nice way to relax at the end of the day, you know, because... Uh, uh, just to sit back and lie on our motel bed and um, just you know, talk with a with a couple of uh, red wines. I'd have my beer in the bath if they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. If there was ever a bath in the motel room, I'd I'd have a bath and and uh, sit there with a beer and yeah. Mm. There's so many listeners going. All right, I've got to do this. <laughs> well, I would I would encourage it because it's one of the greatest um, experiences you can have. Your life. It doesn't have to be all the way around the world. No, we should we should try and get get some of the listeners talking about maybe we can do a trip across Australia or something like that. Yeah, well, 
you know, even if it's as simple as Melbourne to Sydney. Yeah, you know, 17 days did it take well, you? Yeah, so if, if you wanted to take, say, three weeks or, or whatever yeah. um, to to do it, I mean, you know, it, it's probably your, your annual hol- holidays, but um, uh, it's a, a unique type of holiday. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And you see things that you never would see as a normal tourist. Um, uh, you know, I often described it as um, seeing the world, but not just seeing it, um, smelling it, hearing it, touching it, because um, you're just going at such a slow pace and you're going through places that you would never, ever stop. Um, some of the little towns and villages, mm-hmm. um, they never see tourists. Um, and, and that includes um, you know, English-speaking places like the US. They're, I stopped in towns there that um, they never, they'd never had a tourist in the town. And in fact, in many cases, they'd never been more than a you know, hundred miles or so from that town. Some of them had never even been interstate, but to a different state in the US. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot of insular places in the world, and they thought that here's this person from another part of another country in our town. You know, like it, it just for them, it was so exotic. Hi, there you go. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great experience and good opportunity to see parts of Australia or all the world yeah. that you never see otherwise. Yeah, well, my favourite part um, was actually the Nullarbor. My favourite extended region was the, the Nullarbor. Um, we had some friends who came out um, to act as the... Well, they, they brought a caravan and uh, that was our... Um, you know, where we, yeah, we, we stayed in the caravan across the Nullarbor because... Um, for a good part of the Nullarbor, the roadhouses are, uh, they can be as much as 200 kilometres apart, and obviously I couldn't make that in a day. So I'd, for the 200k stretches, I would plan on three days, so I'd have 60-something k days and, in a row, yeah. and uh, and that would mean that we'd have two, two nights without um, any facilities, um, and then on the third night we'd you know, have a roadhouse to stay in. And those roadhouses, I really enjoyed them. They're, they're so remote. There's, there's nothing around. There are no houses. There are no farms. There's absolutely nothing across the Nullarbor except for these roadhouses every every so often. And it's not always 200 k's, but it's always a long way. Yeah. And, uh, and so we just eat in the restaurants, and surprisingly, the food is pretty good for... For being so remote, yeah, um, yeah. That one of the meals we had at I think at the Roadhouse at Copplebiddy in Western Australia was uh, yeah, that that was really I, I thought it was excellent, really high quality food. And, yeah, and, yeah. So everything's going to taste good after sixty k, isn't it? Well, yes, but this was I think this was particularly good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So shoes. So we've mm. got we've got plenty of listeners that have shoe fetishes. Um, you would have gone through a lot of pairs. Was that one of the sponsors that you thought about having on board beforehand? Did you did you try and go down that road? And, I did. did you I, not, sorry, I, I won't. I won't end up. I won't mention the the brand because they refused to sponsor me. So I just bought their shoes. And uh, um, it, but the shoes are not. I don't think they're as important as um, some people make out. Um, I changed my shoes um, back um, 
in uh, 2010, I think. I started running with... I, I actually changed my st running style. I, I made it um, forefoot running rather than heel strike. Yeah. And when you run on your forefoot, you can pretty much run in any shoes. Yeah. And you actually want them to be minimalist, you yeah. know, light and flexible. Yeah. So I just went for those sorts of shoes and uh, found that I, I didn't have any any issues and actually had less injuries than I had when I was a heel striker on the Melbourne Sydney run. That's, uh, I think, one of the reasons I ended up um, uh, having the, the tendonitis. So, did you work out how many pairs you went through and did you did you calculate how many Ks you, you'd do before you rolled out a new pair? No, I didn't. I just played by you. I just looked at the, um, you know, the wear patterns and yeah. that sort of thing. But I went through 17 pairs. 17 more. pairs. Yeah. Some of them I could have got more out of. Um, in the early days, I changed them more often than, than I ended up changing them towards the end. Towards the end, I was getting 3,000 Ks out of a pair. Wow, yeah. Mm. That's a lot yeah. of Ks, isn't it? Yeah, and once again, I, I was careful. I would look at the wear pattern, and if it was pretty even, all it meant was that the, the soles were getting thinner. I was starting to feel the rocks and yeah. the stones in the road a bit more, but um, other than that, it, it was okay. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I still could have gotten even more out of them, but you've got to change them at some stage. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, for for our listeners, how how many k's do you reckon you can get out of a pair of shoes? Three thousand before you need a new pair. Oh, it depends on how on your style of running. Um, because it was slow, a slow shuffle. You don't wear the shoes in the same way as mm. when you're running faster. Yeah. Nowadays, I wouldn't run for three thousand k's in a pair. These. You know, with my current running yeah. um, because I tend to wear them more on the side whereas when uh, running around the world my, my foot was I, I, I think it's natural to, you turn uh, when you run normally to turn your foot slightly and the outside of your foot hits the, hits the ground first and then you start to roll oh, in yeah. a bit yeah. but I was hitting more evenly uh, across the whole foot um, when I was running around the world, so uh, I found that the the shoes didn't wear in the same way, and that I could get more out of them. So you run? Was it about seven minute k pace on average? Was it? Yeah, it's probably seven and a half. Yeah. Seven, yeah, seven and a half, and um, you know when I threw in things, yeah, seven to seven and a half when I was running. But um, you know, I'd have little. I'd stop to look at something, or you know, I, when I when with all the little breaks here and there, it might have been to, you know, to answer a text or to um, look up Google Maps or whatever. It, it, once I, that was all factored in, it probably came to about eight minutes a K because I didn't stop my watch. I, yeah. By stopping my watch, I knew that one time I'm going to, or not just one, it would happen regularly, I'd forget to turn it back on yeah. and then I would be without, um, without the, the data for the day. So I just, once I turned on the watch during the day, it stayed on yeah. all day. Gotcha. Mm. Um, what, what what were some of your sponsors for your event? What? Well, I only had the one, yeah. um, and that was uh, a company called Next Digital, which became Asia Pacific Digital. So um, it was a, a company that um, sort of produced um, sort of uh, an overall digital sort of solution for businesses, and um, you know, sort of forward-looking um, type uh, tech company. Yep. 
So, um, what, if you ha- can you choose a, a one highlight from your trip that, that sort of stands out for you? In terms of the the geography, I would have to say the Grand Canyon. You know, it's the single most spectacular. Well, there was the Grand Canyon, and then there's Monument Valley. Monument Valley is not far behind the Grand Canyon. It's um, just an amazing place, uh, and and they were only you know within the same week, so uh, that was probably the the highlight for specific places. Yeah. Um, as a more general you know region, as I mentioned, the Nullarbor was probably you know that period of running across the Nullarbor. I think it took me. Uh, it took me about pretty much exactly a month from Norseman uh, to to Port Augusta, yep. and that whole period was just you know, really quite special. Yeah, cool. Mm. Any situations um, that you're concerned for your safety? Uh, yes, there was. Um, there were. There was one one for me and and uh, one for Carmel. Um, for me, it was at the top of the Andes, and I start the book with this, this description of um, what happened there. Um, in hindsight, I should have waited a little bit later in the season because it was early November and it's Southern Hemisphere, so that's the same as here. It's like mid mid to late spring, but that wasn't a, late enough for the snows to have melted at the top, and so the road was completely blocked and. Uh, I tried to get around a, a very, very steep slope of ice um, and virtually slipped. You know, it would have been, well, it wouldn't have been a thousand metres, but I'll tell you, it looked like it was a thousand metres down uh, over a cliff. And uh, I, I gave myself 50 50 chance of survival when I, I was sort of got stuck on the side of this cliff at more than 45 degrees, you know, so the slightest bit of, you know, slippage and you, that's it you just keep going and, and all the way to the bottom so that was that was the only time really I, I recall being particularly worried for my safety and, and I'm talking extremely worried um, it's the closest I've ever come to death um, for Carmel it was um, in the in the US in the state of Kentucky and uh, it was in the in hillbilly country and uh, uh, whereas they used to have stills you know and, and produce moonshine now they they're uh, they have meth labs and uh, you know in these uh, um, remote sort of um, hilly sections and uh, they obviously they're pretty paranoid about people coming through you know in these tiny little remote um, back roads and uh, she pulled into a driveway to just do a three-point turn to turn around, and, and a guy, a young guy, raced out, and only ten meters away from her, pointing a, a gun at her, and, uh, and yeah, she ended up um, saying, "I'm sorry, you know, I'm just turning around." And I think he he sort of um, yeah, well, we don't know what I mean. He could have been high on his own stuff, but um, anyway, he looked at her. I wasn't there. I mean, she told me this story, but um, um, he looked at her for a few seconds and then just sort of waved her on with the gun. And uh, she did the three-point turn, but she was a wreck after that for for quite some time. Yeah, wow. Okay, let's lighten the mood with a listener question. 
This one's from the florist. The florist. The florist. That's his nickname. <laughs> yeah. So he said, um, I noticed that most of your running clothes you're pictured in are lacking some fluoro items. Mm-hmm. Um, did something tragic happen to you in the 80s that put you off wearing bright colours? Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, I do have some bright coloured clothing, but um, not much in the fluoro uh, department because um, I wasn't running at night, so there, there was no need for, for fluoro equipment, but... Um, uh, the shirts that I ended up having, I, I bought, I had a company produce um, some shirts and uh, they, I told them what I was, you know, what they were for and it was just before, just after Christmas that I started and I was, I said, oh, now I need to take um, possession of them, you know, before this, before I start to run. And they said, yeah, that's fine. And then I was, just before Christmas, I was calling and not getting any um, any reply. It turned out that they'd gone on, they'd finished for the break and they weren't coming back until after the new year. Didn't bother to tell me. That they were, you know, the shirts had been made, but they they weren't there, so I couldn't even pick them up. And, uh, and so I ended up having to cobble together, you know, instead of these official shirts that had, you know, um, information about my run on them. I just ended up running in my normal gear. Running clover. At least for a, a while. We ended up, took a, before I got those shirts, it was, uh, I don't think I got them until I'd finished New Zealand completely. Yep. So that was um, in early February. Yeah, right. Back to, briefly came back to Sydney before flying out to the US um, and was able to pick them up then. Yeah. So you um, you were raising money for charity uh, with your event, uh, which was Oxfam. Mm-hmm. Um, how much did you end up raising for Oxfam? Uh, a little over sixty thousand. Yep. So I was aiming for a hundred. So uh, you know, I was, didn't quite get there, obviously, but it wasn't it wasn't an order of magnitude out or anything like that. It was yep. uh, sort of in the in the ballpark. So I was reasonably happy with that. That's a significant amount. It's mm. a lot of money. So you, you, you talk about, you, you know, possibly doing a, a game in the future. What would you do differently next time? Um, well, I would... Um, not, not a lot, to be honest. Um, I'd do a slightly different course, although I'd still go through certain places again. Um, but the majority of it would be different but similar. Um, uh, I would... Um, whether I tried to set a new, like beat the, the current world record, would depend. I think I, um, a part of me says no, don't even try that. Just be relaxed and just mm. enjoy the, the journey. yeah, without the pressure. Um, but part of me also says, well, you know, you should just at least give it a bit of a go and see see how it is. But it's a bit hard because if I play that up, then there's a lot of expectation, and even if it, I got to a point. Ideally, I would I would maybe start and see how it'd go because I'd need to be doing more like 62, 63 k's a day, um, which is a big step it's up a step again. Up, yeah. yeah, I think it's possible, but I couldn't be sure. And and if I started and I went, no, nah, this isn't working, I could then come back and you know then take it easy. But by that, excuse me, by that stage, I've already 
you know, created an expectation. So, you know, there's pressure in that regard. So, anyway, I'm not sure. Um, but long term, um, I do intend in the future to do lots of smaller runs, you know, it might be Adelaide to Darwin, right up through the centre, or, you know, it could be anywhere. It mm. could be a, a run across, um, um, I don't know, uh, Ireland or, uh, or Iceland or, you know, just these short week, two week, three week type things. Um, just a nice way to see, well, because people go on holidays, you know, um, Australians are doing more and more overseas and interstate holidays than, than ever and they tend to be in cars and things or well, my my preference is actually simply to to run it and uh, stop in, off in these little little towns and meet the locals and really experience the, the, the life and the locations rather than just zooming past at 100 k's an hour in a car. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Anyone um, that's thinking about doing doing a trip, you know, um, a multi-week trip or a month-long trip similar to yours, mm-hmm. doing, you know, 40, 50 Ks a day, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say that um, you, you're probably capable of it if you're worried that you aren't. You probably are, but you do need to um, ease into it. Just don't go too fast certainly not too fast it's all about the pace the distance you can cover almost any distance in a day if you slow it down um, enough so my when I started out I thought I had this these grand um, uh, you know visions of of averaging six k's a uh, six minute k's and because that was slower than I'd ever trained. Yeah. At, yeah. And I thought, well, I'll just slow it down to six minute Ks. No, it's too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it needs to be, uh, for me, it was at least seven minutes. Yeah. I started out faster and, uh, and I did find that I, I was getting a bit sore. And so as I got sore, I, I naturally slowed down. And I just got to a pace then that Works became. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure there's, you know, there's some Kenyan or Ethiopian who probably could run around the world at five minute k's and because they're used to running threes you know in, yeah. in races but yeah. um uh, not, not that's not for me i mean I, about seven was my my natural pace for that sort of thing and some people it might even be slower you know seven yeah. and a half um so i think i was sort of around seven and a half towards towards the end i probably got slower rather than than it, than faster but it mm. just meant but you, you, a, you know, you're going to get through the day. You're going to yeah. pull up all right the next day. Mm. But you also enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Like you, when I ran, when I ran that day with you, I, and I think it was sort of seven minute K pace. That's what I ended up with, roughly. Mm. And um, but you know, you're obviously enjoying yourself. You know, if you, you you stopped and saw something, you looked at it, you took a photo, and you got time to do that. You know, yeah, it didn't yeah, feel exactly. like you you had to maintain a particular pace, and yeah. you know, and that's that was unique about it, I guess. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is to try to be um, to, is to set a pace that you try to keep. Um, you know, um, what I did was I on my Garmin watch I purposely took the average pace um, facility off and you know, so I couldn't see what my average pace was because um, I, you know, if, if I can see what it is I tend to 
get a bit competitive about it, you know, and think, oh, well, I have to maintain this or, or even get it a bit faster. Whereas I just completely didn't, I, I paid no attention to the time. It was just how I felt and, and uh, you know, I had a, an aim to get to a certain place at the end of the day. So if that happened to happen, if I got there at four o'clock, good. If it's five o'clock or six o'clock, you know, so be it. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, you got to keep your body happy, not the clock, don't you? Yeah, exactly. So, the, it, so I guess that would be my number one piece of advice to anyone who is contemplating something like this: don't think, don't even pay any attention to the pace. Just go at whatever pace you feel comfortable at, and stop and walk if you have to. Okay. So you're still running. How's the body holding up? Yeah, it's holding up pretty well. <clears throat> Although I've had a bit of a chronic Achilles issue, it seems to be cured now, and um, haven't had a day off since August two thousand and four. So be approaching fifteen years pretty soon. So um, yeah, it, um, each day uh, I just see how I feel. Really, um, uh, I have a bit of a plan ahead for each week um, that I just sort of make up on the run. You know. Like, a little bit of an idea about what I might want to do. Um, Mondays, I try to to make Mondays a decent day to get the week off to a good start, and that enables me then to sort of relax a little bit for the rest of the week. Uh, well, not necessarily the whole rest of the week, but um, you know, uh, I'd rather get a, off to a good start with both distance and the quality of the the run as well. So, so what's your Monday look like? Well. Usually, um, maybe you know twenty k's or so ish, um, and we'd throw in a at least one fast kilometre. So uh, last Monday it was a three forty four. Hopefully tomorrow I might run a bit faster than that. Still got it. So uh, how far into the session do you throw in that one fast kilometre? Uh, pretty near to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer to be really well warmed up. Home. Yeah. Funnily enough, I don't know why, but it, it it's become obvious to me over the years that I tend to get faster during my runs um, when I've run with other people you know they tend to sometimes get ahead of me early and then by the end of the session and, and I'm not trying any harder I just naturally get faster yeah um, I don't know whether it's the body just getting warmer and um, so yeah I, pre- I prefer to any hard effort I prefer to make it towards the end rather than than at the beginning so I'm organising an event in June, and it's called the Royal Double Ultra, and it's in the Royal National Park down at Sutherland there. I'm sure you've done some runs in your time. I've, uh, yeah, I've the, the um, uh, from, uh, what is it, that down at... Audley? The Audley, yeah, the Audley Weir along the... Lady Carrington? Track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Done some runs down there. I have, yeah, not for a long while, but yeah. I have done it. In yeah. Parts. So, uh, so this, um... This event that I'm holding is a, it's a double ultra, so it's the last weekend in June. It's 50 k's on the Saturday and mm-hmm. 50 k's on the Sunday. It's right down your your alley. I think you, I, I can see you there. <laughs> well, um, what's the course? Because I I, uh, I don't like really hilly trails because I end up with with very sore quads. Yep. Um, it's not really hilly. No, is no. it? Uh, if it was all pretty much all. Lady Carrington driver, I'd uh, really, yeah, that would be right up my alley. Yeah, Mm. so it's not on Lady Carrington, but it's at Grays Point, and uh, it's a 10-kilometre loop, 
and you yeah. do five laps on day one. Yeah. And um, and day two starts at Heathcote, and it's three laps of a say fifteen k course. Yeah. On um, on day two, yeah, but it's not real hilly. Uh, there's day one. There's sort of one hill in uh, on on the on on one of the loops, and on day two, the same thing, but nothing. You're not running up and down, up and down, sort of thing. Yeah, it's mm. like yeah. That. So it's one of those trail runs where they're like really steep. The uphill's fine. It's yeah. the downhill that. Yeah. That, um, that well, I... that's one thing it doesn't have actually. It doesn't have much downhill at all, and mm. it's all fire trail, so it's. Uh, Fairly runnable, if that makes sense. You pace up. Yeah, well, sometimes fire trails, trails can be really, really steep. I've done the um, the Oxfam uh, trail walk of hundred k in Melbourne a few a few times, and uh, there was um, I, my uh, watch told me the gradients, and there was one section they actually had a rope for downhill to so you. You could let yourself down yeah. backwards yeah. because it was so steep. It was fifty-one percent the yeah. gradient, and there was plenty of other forty percent, you know, up and down. So uh, yeah. uh, that, that's a recipe for for agony on your quads. Yeah, you know? nothing like that. Well, maybe we can catch up for a run, and I can show you the the loops beforehand. You can have a think about whether or not you. Yeah, I, look, I'm definitely interested if you say that it's not overly hilly. Like, like I said, I have no problem with uphill at all. I really like running uphill, but I don't like running downhill. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not hardly any downhill. So, yeah, yeah. we'll have to we'll have to stay in yeah, touch. Yeah, sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, have to bring you along. I, I'm not. I, I wouldn't be competitive. I wouldn't think. Oh, that said, I didn't think I'd be competitive in the uh, great, uh, the big red run either. Surprised myself with the third there, and and with some of the other events too. So, uh, but yeah, I I go into them. Not expecting to do particularly well, and if I do, it's a, it's a bonus. Yeah, well, it, it's the first time that that, that I've organised the event, so um, so it'll be pretty informal, and um, there'll be a bar at the end. Filter will have a bar there, so oh, okay. a few beers at the end, and yeah, yeah, end of each day. So it's a yeah. Saturday and a Sunday. It's a Saturday and a Sunday, so you don't have to do both days. You can just do one or the other. Um, yeah, oh, I'd be looking at looking at both. You know, if that's yeah. If that's the event, yeah. Well, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just I, you know, I don't want to, uh, don't want to put it out there that people are soft if they just do one day, but they are. Mm. They, should, <laughs> they should be doing both, really. You know. Yeah. Well, that's part of the um, the experience. It's um, and really, I think people would be surprised at what they're capable of. A lot of people think that they can't do stuff that, and it, you know, I used to think that too. I. Um, but once again, it all comes down to the pace. If you go as hard as you can on that first day, you will... You won't be you, you, Yeah, if you manage to get through the second day, it won't be pleasant. But if you pace yourself you know, properly, um, then you can actually negative split it. You, know? you can run a faster 50k on the second day yeah. than the first. And you will enjoy it all so much more. Yeah, because you haven't broken yourself on day yeah. one. I, anything I do these days, I try to negative split it, you know, because it is just the most enjoyable way of going about any race, yeah, any race at all. Um, you know, it's going hard early and then hanging on through agony is, uh, you know, it's not enjoyable. Yeah, good advice there. So, um, if listeners want to um, follow and, and, and 
look up your, your your world run. Obviously, we've spoken about the book, so they can they can purchase the book. But also, um, you've got a website called Tom's Next Step. Yes, and correct. um and there's a lot of information on that website. There's a lot of photos, and there's there's YouTube videos as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of information there as well. So we'd encourage the listeners to to check out that website, Tom's Next Step. Mm-hmm. Um, where else can people follow you? You on Instagram? Um, no, uh, the only Facebook, um, thing I have is connected to the, to the, uh, website. Yep. So I have a regular, every couple of days, two or three days, I have a blog update on the website, which I then simply copy and paste onto, uh, onto the Facebook site. So yep. that's, that Facebook site is also Tom's Next Step. Tom's Next Step on Facebook On as Facebook, well. yep. yeah. Okay. So you can read and see the photos and videos on either one of those, the website or the or Facebook, and they can track your progress. Well, we might have to um, we might have to catch up and do another chat another time when you decide what your next project. It sounds like you're throwing around some ideas, and you, you you might do something small, and you might do something big. And so when you decide to do your next run, let's let's yeah. get together and you can talk about what you got planned. Well, at the moment, like I mentioned earlier on, I'm, I'm my. Uh, focus at, at this stage is on the, the wave energy um, project. You're know, making sure that that uh, is successful. But in the background, I'm, all, I'm always running, of course, and uh, uh, we'll be looking for for events of, of one type or another that uh, just are interesting and um, you know, something that's challenging without being you know, ridiculously difficult. Um, Can people look up what you're doing with your wave energy? Uh, yep, um, waveswellenergy.com.au. Okay, so yeah, what I'll do, I'll put that in a link when I upload this show so people can, can look that up mm-hmm. and um, yeah, follow your progress with that as well. It sounds okay. very exciting. Um, are you on Strava? Do you download your runs on Strava? No, I don't. I just download um, uh, the interesting ones to Garmin Connect. Yep. Um, uh, and people can... Um, check that out too I mean I not that I post a link recently but there's certainly um, all every day of my world run all um, every single day the Garmin data and you know the, the map uh, showing where I went and all the statistics about the run is on my um, is on my Garmin Connect site if you go to the blog um, the website and click on blog and go back to the days of the run. You can find the um, and you can. There's a link and yep. you can click on that. Once you're on that link, yep. then you can just go back and forth to any day yep. of the run and, and so see all my all my data. First first of Jan 2012. That would be a uh, yeah. Well, the the, the 31st of December just 2011 is also on there. Yep. 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 Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much for giving up your time. I think it's um, a pleasure, and I've enjoyed those beers too. I think that filter definitely a beer that um, I would recommend to people. Tastes all right, don't they? Mm. I'm going to leave some extras with you. There's a there's a session ale and uh, an XBA. I'm going to leave with you as well. Okay. All right. Well, um, thanks again, Tom. I um, I'll I'll keep the listeners updated with your progress. We'll send some links and. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to rub shoulders with them at that, that event I was telling you about. Yeah, when, when did you say it was? It's the last weekend in June. Okay, that's exactly when the Great Red Run, a big Red Run used to be, but that doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. maybe you're sort of in some way taking over from it. You know, at least it's a multi-day 
event that people can can uh, look at if not six days but a more manageable two days yeah right here in Sydney mm. excellent yeah. okay thanks so much okay alright great see ya thanks Matt Fail, 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 fail.